I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the more I know I need his presence. And it's my desire that before we leave today, that we will take just a moment again later in the service to allow his presence to breathe on us. We're going to go ahead and dismiss our our children for Children's Church if they want to meet their teachers out in the, the foyer. We are in our Advent series. Advent is just the Latin word meaning coming, a time when we celebrate Christ's first coming and we look forward to his second coming. I don't know if all of the church world is looking forward to his second coming or not. Uh, Many of the church world seems to be pretty comfortable living here. And uh, we hope that in our hearts, we're we're longing for his coming, not because um, we're trying to escape something. You know, the idea that um, we should long for the coming of the Lord because we're just tired of all the turmoil and tired. I mean, if, if we're not longing for his coming because we want to be where he is, our motive is all off. I mean, too many of us just say, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. This world is so evil and so, and so lost. I mean, his heart is to just be with us. His heart isn't to just come and put us out of our misery. His heart is for those who haven't yet been led to him. And so I hope that's what's in our heart. And so as we've gone through this Advent series, uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. I want to draw your attention to um, the back table on the Welcome Center. There is a sign-up sheet for a series that we're going to start on January the 1st called Truly Free in 2017. Uh, the book Truly Free by Robert Morris it talks about the difference between um, deliverance and discipleship. Even as a believer, you can be oppressed or influenced by demonic forces. They are at work in our world, whether we want to admit it or not, okay? There are powers and principalities that are at work. They don't possess us as believers. They can't because the spirit of God lives in us and darkness and light can't coexist, but they can oppress us. And there are, at times, the Bible calls for deliverance from those things. I mean, sometimes you just get angry and you have no reason to get angry. It could be a spiritual thing taking place that's trying to plant seeds of anger in your heart or frustration or bitterness towards someone. And so learning to recognize when when it's our flesh and when it's a demonic power, when we need deliverance and when we need discipleship. Um, You cannot deliver the flesh, okay? You have to disciple the flesh. You can't disciple a demon. You have to deliver the demon. And so there's a difference between those things. But our lives as believers too many times are bound by pride, greed, lust, bitterness, unforgiveness. And those are some of the things we're going to talk through about how to be free from them. See, we have just settled into this mindset that we're just, you know, until Jesus comes, we're always going to be imperfect. And, you know, we're always going to have unforgiveness and we're always going to have bitterness and we're always going to have to fight greed. And yeah, but it doesn't have to control us. Yes, we're always going to have to fight it, but if our lives are controlled by greed, controlled by lust, controlled by bitterness and unforgiveness, then there's a problem because Jesus said, I came to give you life to the full. Not, you know, someday in the future, but right now. How many of you want to be free? 
Why don't the rest of you want to be free? You want to be in bondage? I don't. I want to be free. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, There are some books, again, on the back table about the Holy Spirit. They're $10 each if you want them. They are just resources to maybe give you a little bit more information about the Holy Spirit as we go. If you've got your Bible, we're going to come to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is where I'd like you to turn, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And today, I've called the message, The Gift That Keeps on Giving. And as I said, I I felt at going into this Advent season that the Lord wanted us to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. Now, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives Um, I can't cover everything. And so some of the stuff that are in these books will maybe give you a bit of a foundation. If there are some things that I say that you don't agree with or you find uncomfortable, these books will kind of give that biblical foundation of why I'm saying that. I don't have time to go through everything the Bible says about the Holy Spirit in just a few short weeks. And so uh, I just make some presuppositions. And if you don't agree with that, maybe you need to study it a little more for yourself and kind of make up your mind that way. And so that's why I make those available to you. But as we've studied the Holy Spirit, we started in Luke chapter 11 being taught that the the Father is a good Father, and He wants to give His Spirit to His children. Okay, that was the premise. And last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is our guaranteed hope. He causes us to overflow with hope. Let me ask you this. When you are faced with something at work, do you first see all of the negative or all of the, the problems with it, or do you see the possibilities first? Now, before you say, well, but my personality is just, my personality is geared that way too, but if I start wanting to be overflowing with hope, I won't be drawn first to the what, what isn't gonna work out right, but I'll be drawn to what God is doing, or what God can do. Hope ought to be the first thing off of our lips, and if it's not, then you and I should be worshiping and saying, God, I need, I need a perspective shift. I need to see like you see. I can't see like I see anymore. I need you to do something new in me so I see like you see. And the Holy Spirit was given to us as, an, as earnest money, remember? To remind us that he's coming back. He started a work in us and he's gonna finish it. So whenever we're tempted to say, well, see, I'm just a a terrible person. I'm I'm just, uh, this is just who I am. I'm just, I might as well give up. I don't even know why I try. The Holy Spirit is in us to show us that God knows we're terrible people. He knows the wickedness in our hearts, but he put his spirit in us to kind of work on that till he comes back. And in the meantime, Jesus has taken care of it. He covers us, and that's kind of what we've gone through. In Romans chapter five is where we ended last week, where it says, we have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because we do what God said. We have peace with God because we're good people. We have peace with God because we never break the commandment. No, it doesn't say any of that, does it? We have peace with God through what Jesus Christ did. That's it. The only reason I have peace with God today is because I put faith in what Jesus did for me. If there's any other reason in your mind that you think you have peace with God or God loves you for some reason, you're wrong. He loves you because you're his child and you have peace with him because of what Jesus did. 
That's what Paul is trying to say. Christ is the one that brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. The glory of God is the presence of God. And what Paul is saying is we look forward to the day when we will get to know him in the fullness of who he is. On earth, we don't get to see it. Remember when Moses went up on the mountain, what did he say? Lord, show me your glory. I wanna see your glory. I wanna see all that you are. And what did God say? (laughs) I mean, he kind of said, I I imagine God chuckling. I'd love to do that for you, but you don't really know what you're asking because if I do that and if I show you my glory in all of it, you'll die because sin can't be in my presence. And so until sin is completely dealt with, until you would put on a new body that Jesus purchased for us and someday we're gonna get to put on, like even because of Jesus, if we went into the very presence of God with this body, it would just disintegrate because it's marred by sin, even our flesh still. That's why these bodies have to be cast off and we put on new bodies. And then we're gonna get to know him as he is. That's important to remember because we're gonna be in his presence. But the the emphasis, again, we have to understand our position in Christ. We alluded to Galatians chapter three last week. Again, this is just review. Galatians, who cast an evil spell on you? The meaning of Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? No, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? I mean, you've got to allow the Spirit to do the work in you. You can't just do it yourself. You've got to let the Spirit do the work. Verse five, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. I mean, this statement is so true. So many times people say, well, you know, God doesn't do miracles among us because we're so sinful or because we're so evil. But, you know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven that there are gonna be people that do miracles and cast out demons, but they aren't gonna be in heaven because they're not in relationship with the Father. But in, I can't wrap my mind around this, but somehow they have enough faith in Jesus to do miracles, but not enough faith in Jesus to be transformed from the inside out. And so because they just focus on the the externals, if you will, and they think that the externals means God is pleased with me, then I don't need to be in right relationship with him. I mean, I don't need to spend time praying or seeking him or knowing him or letting the spirit work on me from the inside out. I mean, the fact that I prayed for this person and they got healed is proof God is pleased with me. No, it's not. It's just proof that you believe Jesus died to make that possible. You became a conduit. Here's the thing. God can use sinful things as a conduit of his glory. He spoke through a donkey. So he can do that. We are in right relationship with God. We receive the Holy Spirit. You don't need to wait till you get your life cleaned up to start praying for people to be healed or to be restored or be delivered. That comes because you believe Jesus died to give it. 
Well, I prayed for someone and nothing happened. That's not up to you. (laughs) All you have to do is put faith in Jesus and never stop asking, never stop seeking, and never stop knocking. And everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks knocks, and everyone who continues to seek will find, and whoever knocks the door will continue to be opened to them. So we're in right relationship with God, not as a result of our behavior, but because of our faith in Christ. Paul goes on in Galatians and says, do not use this new freedom to indulge in the flesh, because if you continue to indulge in the flesh, that will destroy you. So here's the thing. This isn't an excuse to just live in blatant sin. He clarifies that. So if you're here today and you're living in blatant sin, meaning God has said to you, stop doing what you're doing and you're still doing it, do not be deceived by by sin and hardened against God because it will destroy you. So if you're sinning and you know you're sinning and you know you're living in rebellion, stop it. Stop it. Admit it, confess it, find someone you can confess it to and say, I need to get this out of my life. Let me ask you this. If you went to the doctor this week and he said, your body has been infected by cancer, we need to start treatments, we need to start chemotherapy, how many of you would say, no, I, I, I hear cancer can be kind of cool, I'm just gonna keep it in my body. Not unless you want to get to heaven, no, you would do everything to get that cancer out of your body. You would go through surgeries, you would go, you would go through chemotherapy, you would do whatever's possible. Jesus said, if there's sin in your life, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, he's not really saying, put your hand down and whoosh, but he's saying, you know what? Go to someone who's a believer and confess what's going on in your life because if you allow that sin in your life, you can't control it. If you sin, you become a slave to sin. And it's time to cut it off. It's time to be real. It's time to stop saying that gossip is okay, slander is okay, unforgiveness is okay, bitterness is okay. They're Christian sins. No, if you allow those sins in your life, they'll destroy you, just like cancer cells in your body. And so we have to take the steps to rid ourselves of sin. But all the while, our relationship with God is based on what Christ did what he did. He's a good father. And so he gives us his spirit. In John chapter seven, someone said, well, we went to 2 Corinthians chapter three. We're getting there. Don't worry. I know what time it is. John chapter seven, the reason I called this the gift that keeps on giving, because Jesus says here on the last day of the festival, He stands up and he shouts, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, he's speaking of the spirit who would be given to those who believe, even though the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. How did he enter into his glory? Through his death and then resurrection. Remember, God be glorified in death and then in resurrection. So Jesus is saying, when you come to him, you can drink. You're going to get your thirst quenched. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps quench our thirst. The thirst that we try to quench with, with 
alcohol, the thirst that we try to quench with sexual immorality, the thirst that we try to quench with uh, relationships, the thirst that we try to quench through Netflix and through materialism and stuff. If I just get this another stuff and more stuff, and do you have an iPhone 6? And the iPhone 6 is really great, and I had no desire for an iPhone 7 at all. I mean, I I could have upgraded to an iPhone 7 over Black Friday for free. I could have turned my phone in, but I'm like, I don't want it because it's got that different adapter thing and I I don't want it. And then we bought one for Kedrick because his phone was broken. And so he got one. And then as I started to see how cool it was, I want one. I want one. That desire never goes away. And as soon as I get one, there's gonna be something better soon. And so I just keep telling myself, I know you want one, but you don't need one, okay? This one just does the job fine. But maybe I'll switch on our account. I can do... And so, but see, fathers like to give good gifts to their children. And if I, being evil, can do that, how much more does your father want to give us good gifts? So Jesus says, the Holy Spirit comes into us and he quenches that thirst, And then he becomes a river of water that doesn't just affect us, but begins to flow out of us to affect others. The Holy Spirit becomes the gift that keeps on giving. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in our world and we get so wrapped up in the fact that my life isn't working out the way I intended it for it to work out and I can't do anything for the Lord until I get all of this worked out But if our lives are to bring him praise, then even in the midst of this hardship, the Holy Spirit can become a river that flows out of me. And listen, when when you get that in your head and you start letting the Spirit flow out of you, sometimes what you need comes as it flows through you. In other words, you need a healing. Sometimes you might get healed as you pray for someone else to be healed. But if I, I, I can't pray for someone else to be healed until I get healed. Well, then, you know, you'll never do anything. The river, the, it will become a pond in you. Ever seen a pond with stagnant ugh, on the front top of it? And that's why a lot of us in church look more like, ugh. I mean, we're just, we're crabby and we're like, Bleh. and we're like at each other. Paul says, stop biting and devouring each other. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and flow through you. And you know what? Now all of a sudden, that stuff doesn't bother me anymore. I don't really care anymore. It's just not important enough anymore. That makes sense? All right. The last passage that we looked at last week was Romans chapter eight. And I wanna just take a a minute to to point out a couple verses here, and then we're gonna move to 2 Corinthians chapter three. Brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do because if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. The Spirit gives us power to put to death the deeds of our flesh. And if we're led by the Spirit of God, we are his children. He reminds us we're his children. He, He reminds us we're in right relationship with God. And Since, verse 17, we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Remember? We're heirs of God's glory. We're going to receive God's glory. It's it's our inheritance. Okay? But look at the second part of this. 
The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, this isn't the only way he helps us. For example means it's just one way. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. When's the last time you prayed in a way that you could not understand? That's what the Holy Spirit was given for. And there's a whole lot of false teaching and fear and anxiety that comes when we start talking about this. And what God has intended to give his children to help us, the enemy has twisted and turned to make us afraid of. And now we don't want what the Holy Spirit's gonna do in our lives because it makes me, makes me nervous, makes me anxious. I'm afraid of it. If you have studied the word for yourself and you find that what the Holy Spirit does is not this, I'm good with that. But if it's because you're afraid or because that's just not your personality or something else, it's time to move on past that and just receive what the Holy Spirit has come to give. Amen. I'll help you with that one. And then look, look at the end of this. And having chosen them, verse 30, he called them to come to him. This is us. God called us to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That's through Jesus. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Was he? Not the full glory that we were talking about before, but what's he talking about? He's put his spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is God. He is full God, and he is in us. The glory of God in us. Now, if the glory of God is really in you and I in this room, our lives should look dramatically different from people who do not have the Spirit of God in them, correct? What's the problem then? Well, the problem is he's a gentleman and he's only going to move into where he's allowed to move into. And if we don't continuously be filled with the Spirit, it's not going to happen. We're going to look the same as the rest of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I told you we'd get there. Plenty of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is where Paul is describing the difference between Moses going up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments and then getting the glory of God. Remember, he didn't see the full glory of God. God just said, I'm going to hide you in this rock. I'm going to put my hand over you, and I'm going to pass by. And then when I pass by, I'm going to take my hand off, and you're going to get to see my back, my goodness. (laughs) You're going to get to see my goodness. Why did he pick his goodness? Why didn't he pick his holiness so Moses would never sin again? Why didn't he pick his justice so Moses would stand for all the right causes? Because the one thing God wants to drill into our heads is he is good. From the beginning, the enemy has told us God is not good. God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Why? Because he's not good. He doesn't want you to be like him. Au contraire, he wants us to be like him. He's made us an heir of his glory. In fact, he did it at a great sacrifice to himself. 
So when you get tempted to believe God is not good and when his word restricts your life too much, can I tell you at the end of that road is death and destruction and you will one day regret that choice. But when you surrender your life to Christ at the end of that road, you will find life and life to the full. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter three, this letter, this is written here, not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about how it's not written with, uh, on tablets of stone anymore, his law's written in our hearts. That's what it says. We are confident of all of this because our great trust in God through Christ. In other words, every time I look at the cross, I know God is good. I know that he's for me. If he gave up his son, why would he withhold something else? Paul says this in Romans chapter eight. He's giving us everything that's good. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. His face shone with the glory of God. When he came down from the mountain, his face was bright. Not just like a little bright, bright like they couldn't look at his face bright. And if the old covenant had that much glory, how much more should the new have, is what he's trying to tell us. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way? Shouldn't it change everything? I mean, even in the most despairing circumstances of our life, shouldn't there be something that just marks us different? <clears throat> now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, if the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, <laughs> how much more glorious is the new way that makes us right with God? I mean, it's like we've, we've dumbed down the new covenant and the old covenant came with greater power than the new covenant. That's what Paul's saying. How, that's not even possible. In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared to the overwhelming glory of the new way. In other words, Moses' face shone, but you know what? It faded. Every day he was off the mountain, it got less and less and less and less. And he would go into the presence of God and he would take it off. And it, it doesn't say that it started to glow more. It says he just kept the veil on. So that the people of Israel, later he says, could not see that the glory was fading. Because if they saw that the glory was fading, that would be an excuse that, well, maybe this Moses guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe we don't need to follow those commandments he gave. Because look, I mean, his face isn't as shiny as it used to be. Maybe we don't need, and Moses, I believe, tried to take that excuse away and he kept them from seeing the glory was fading. In the New Testament, 
Verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter three. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, the Spirit comes to to remind us that we're God's children, that Jesus put us in right relationship with God, but he also comes because as we listen to him, as we talk to him, as we, uh, as Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 says, as we continuously be filled with the Spirit, we become more and more like Jesus. We become more and more. The glory of God in our lives increases with every year. Unfortunately, in, in the kingdom of God, in churches across our country, there are people that the longer they serve God, the more bitter, the more sour, the more resentful, the more hung up on earthly externals they become, and the less glorious the presence of God becomes in their life. And we say it's because as we age, you know, we get more, our bodies get weaker and we get in more pain. And there is nothing like pain to cause you to get to the end of your rope. I know that. But if the spirit of the living God does live in us, we should be moving from glory to glory to glory to glory. And when we recognize we're not, the one place we should get is into the presence of God. The presence of God. But here's the thing. When we recognize we're not, that's the last place our flesh wants to go. Paul says right here, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled. That word filled literally is a continuous present tense. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be continuously filled with the Spirit. In other words, spend time talking to the Holy Spirit every day. Spend time in the Word. Spend time singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Spend time every day giving thanks to God for what He has done through Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, when we do not become thankful, when we do not stay thankful, Romans chapter one says that's how sin takes root in our lives. We are ungrateful to God. We don't recognize him as God and we don't give him thanks. And so what he says here is you gotta be careful how you live. You cannot live like a fool. You have to live as someone who is wise. Who is wise, Jesus told us. If you hear my words and you put them into practice, you're wise. If you hear my words and you do not put them into practice, you're foolish. So we have to be careful. 
that the words Jesus is speaking to us, we put into practice, not just for a day, not just for a week, but we continuously go into his presence, we continuously get into his word, and we continuously put into practice building our lives on a firm foundation. In other words, when we act thoughtlessly or when we live randomly or we live haphazardly, we show up to church whenever it's convenient, we get out our Bibles whenever we have time, we will not be continuously filled with the Spirit. We will not be made more and more into the image of the Son. Our lives will not go from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's not just going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen because God started the train down the track and it's just going to keep moving until something stops it. Because here's the thing, something is stopping it, the enemy and your flesh. And if we don't continuously be filled with the Spirit, and he says right here, how do you get filled with the Spirit? Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The song service is not something we do just to get us ready to hear a message. It's where we go into his presence to be changed into his image. And some of us treat it like it's just, you know, if I, have, if I want to do it, I'll do it. And I don't care if you stand or sit or raise your hands or don't raise your hands, but please engage your heart with the God who can transform you, who can fill you with hope and with joy and with peace. Because here's what happens. I'm going to go to another church because I ain't finding any hope there. I ain't finding any peace there. I can't give you peace. I can't give you hope. I can't give you joy. All I can do is point you where you can get it for yourself. Every week I come in here, I don't always want to be here. I don't, I've got things that happen in my life that frustrate me and cause me all kinds of thoughts. But every week I engage my heart and say, God, I need you. Because this week I handled that situation out of frustration and not out of hope. I handled that situation out of anger, not out of joy. I need you to transform me. I need to look more like you. But here's the thing. This isn't the only time I worship all week long. Sometimes, three and four times a day. In fact, someone asked me the other day, man, this is the time of year you live for. I said, you know, it's weird because I really haven't listened to Christmas music much at all because I constantly am listening to worship music now. I just feel like I'm in such a battle physically, emotionally, spiritually that I just need it constantly, constantly. I need to be worshiping the Lord. And not that Christmas songs don't worship God, but I just am in a season where I'm not even listening to it. But don't worry, come July, I'll get it back out. And it all will be well with the world. Make the most of every, every, every opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. It, it didn't just happen on the day of Pentecost. It didn't just happen when you were baptized in the Spirit. Every opportunity you have, be filled with the Spirit. When you're driving to work, make, that, make the most of that opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. When you're in the worship service with other believers, because notice he says this plurally. A lot of times, I'm gonna have the worship team come back. I, I, there's a couple things I wanna talk about, but then we're gonna go right into worship. The, the scripture many times uses the word your, and we don't know if it's singular or plural, because in English it's the same. 
And even in the context, you can't tell. You have to go to the original language and see, is that word plural or is that word singular? In this passage, make music in your hearts. There is something about corporate worship and corporate prayer that's necessary for us as believers. Not downplaying personal prayer, not downplaying personal worship. We need it. I love it. I do it. I practice it. I need to practice it more. So do you. We all need to practice it more. But we think that corporate prayer and corporate worship, it's okay if we don't participate in those as long as we're doing it singularly. No. Because we're commanded in the scripture to do it corporately. Worship together, pray together, corporately. It's important. Make the most of every opportunity. Not that this moment, in a few moments we're gonna worship and we're gonna give you a chance to let the Holy Spirit fill you. Not that this is all you need. Not that this is the fullness of your relationship with God right now. But this might be a catalyst for you in this week ahead when you're feeling drained to remember, you know what, I need to just get in his presence for a minute. Slip out and just center your thoughts. You don't need worship music. You just need to center your thoughts on who he is. He's a good father. He's in control of whatever you're facing. I listened to a sermon yesterday. Go ahead and stand with me by Scotty Gibbons talking about the storms that we face in life. And I was out for a run uh, yesterday afternoon and uh, I love to run in the snow, I know I'm odd. Um, but I was out there and I'm running and I'm listening to this message and he reminded us in this sermon that you'll never face a storm that even the storms that are over your head are under his feet. Amen. thought, you know, that's so true. And so when I'm feeling pulled in a lot of directions, like I'm gonna come unglued, you know what I need to do? I need to step back and I need to see how big he is again. I need to remember he's a good father. I need to remember he's working for my good. I wanna encourage you, if you need to go and you have an appointment that can't wait, I'm, you, you'll need to go. But if you don't, would you take just a few minutes and just engage yourself with his presence. Our worship team is gonna lead us. Our prayer team is gonna be here in the front again. And if you need prayer and you haven't been prayed for yet, we're gonna give you an opportunity to receive prayer. If you just wanna come and pray alone, these altars are always open to you. But we just wanna take a moment and engage our hearts with the Lord. And so Holy Spirit, right now, we just ask that you would shift our spiritual sight today where our problems and our, our fears and our worries have become bigger than you, would you come in and move? Would you enlarge our vision of who you are and how great you are? Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us today? Make us more into the image of Jesus. Fill us with that joy that flows out of us, that hope. We don't wanna fake it. We don't wanna to try to stir it up within us. We know that that won't last very long. We need you to produce it. We need you to produce fruit in our lives. We need you to, to recreate us and make us into the image of Jesus. In the meantime, would you settle in our hearts 
that we are sons and daughters of God. God, I ask that a peace would just settle over this place today. That we can stop trying to earn your approval and we can rest in your love. And so Holy Spirit, fill us as we worship together, as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, as we give thanks to you. Fill us, I pray.